So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I love this passage of scripture. You remember when we first looked at this book, we looked at the first three chapters. It dealt with who we are positionally before God in Christ. And then chapter four began with now we're to walk worthy of that. Our lives should reflect who we are in Christ in a practical way. And so this is a part of moving into what that means practically in our everyday lives. I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of change. I have my own habits, my own rhythms, and I like those things, and I don't like anybody to disrupt those things. One of the routines for me over the last 10 years or so has been to get up on Saturday morning and put gas in my car, my wife's car, get them washed at the car wash, go to Costco. And one of the things I get at Costco, discovered this seven or eight years ago, are these things by Sargento called balanced brakes. There's supposed to be a better snack for you, and I love these things, the, the yellow cheddar with the nuts, and then there's one that has white cheddar with a different combination of nuts and raisins, or, or what, but these are just wonderful little snacks I've enjoyed, so every week I pick up some of these things, every time at Costco. Well, about four or five weeks ago, I went. Now, over time, they've moved them from one refrigerator, and I panic, and I find someone who tells me where they are. But now, I can't find them, and where they used to be are these new Sargento snacks with Ritz crackers and wheat thins in them. <laughs> I tried it. I don't like it. <laughs> and so if you work at Costco, please bring back the Sargento balance breaks with the cheddar cheese and the nuts, please. Now, you, you might think I'm joking about this, but this really throws my life off track. <laughs> See, the way most of us view change is if... You initiate change, it's a problem. If I initiate change, it's progress, right? I initiate change, it's progress. You initiate change, it's a problem. But one of the things that God calls us to in the Christian life is a life of constant change. Our world and circumstantial environment changes all the time. 
But God says even when we're going through the ups and downs of life and our circumstances of life are changing, we can still have deep satisfaction in our relationship with him, joy and and peace in him. But that comes from being in this state of constant change, constant change. As we look at Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, I want us to understand today that when we embrace the constant change of putting off the old and putting on the new, God gives us a sense of deep satisfaction. We put off the old ways and the ways of the world and we put on Christ's likeness more and more in this process of change and growing in Christ. There is deep satisfaction even if our circumstances are out of control or the world around us is changing in ways that, that cause us discomfort and pain. Now, I want to be very clear here as we talk about this. We're going to talk about how we get better as individuals, how we grow and how we live lives that, that are pleasing to God and that show others Christ. I want us to understand, though, that I'm not talking about making your life better, cleaning your life up, doing good things, putting off the old, putting on the new, so that you can one day hopefully be accepted by God, that he'll forgive you, make you his child, give you a home in heaven, walk with you here in life, that somehow you prove yourself and you you become accepted by God. No, we're, we're talking here about once you know Christ and you've been accepted by God, as the first three chapters talk about in Ephesians, Once you've been accepted by God in Christ and what Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary, you're God's child, then you live this life of obedience. As a matter of fact, author and pastor Timothy Keller puts it this way, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. So what we're talking about today comes out of a life that has already been accepted by God because that person has put their faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you haven't put your faith in Christ, you need to do that first. You need to understand God loves you and sent Jesus to give you a relationship with himself. And you just put your faith in Christ and then you can begin this journey because then you'll be accepted by God through his son Jesus and what Jesus did for you on the cross. And if you have any questions about that or you want to just share with us that today or this week you accepted Christ as Savior, we'd be glad to celebrate that with you. Our care and prayer team will be down front after the service right here in the front. I'll be in the lobby. You can speak to me. And if you're joining us online or in the room and perhaps texting would be an easier way to do this, text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and we'll get you some resources that help you understand how once you're accepted in Christ through Jesus, you then walk a life of obedience. The obedience comes out of knowing Christ. So you can text the name Jesus, just that name in the body of the message, that number, and, and we'll help you get growing in your walk with Christ. But be sure and understand the distinction here. This is not how you come to Jesus as your Savior. This is how you live after you've come to Jesus as your Savior. And we're going to see three things here in this passage that I think are important for us to understand about change. First, in verses 17 through 19, we need to recognize the need to change. Some of you are very comfortable in who you are. For some of you, the constants and the variables that remain the same go far beyond some cheese and some nuts. Even into your spiritual life, you've gotten into ruts or routines and have become stagnant, and you think you've grown to a level that is good enough, and yet we're to keep growing in Christ as long as we're alive, and then one day we'll be with him and made like him. Recognize the need to change. Look at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, that you won't live like the world. You'll live differently. And then he says, 
in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. He's talking about in their minds. Someone before Christ, someone in the world without Jesus in their life. These individuals have this futility in their thinking. That word futility has the idea of void of any purpose, aim, or goal. They're adrift. They're darkened in their understanding. Paul would tell the Corinthian church they have blinders on. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those in the world so that they wouldn't be able to believe the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And then he says, separated from the life of God. And the life of God is the life that comes from God. That little of there means to come from God. Eternal life comes from God. But because of sin, none of us has that life from God until we come to Jesus. And so he's saying these folks have this ignorance. They're unaware. They have their minds darkened. They've got this futility in their thinking. That's how you used to be. And he says there's got to be something new in your life and different. So the first thing that we need to understand and recognize about change is that my mind needs to be renewed. My mind needs to be renewed from the old futility, from the darkened understanding, from the ignorance, from the time when I was separated from the life of God. I'm now alive in him. And now my mind needs renewed. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world around us feeds images into our mind, into our hearts that are filled with greed and lust and arrogance and pride. And we've got to get rid of those kinds of thoughts in this renewing and begin to think as God sees the world and he reveals to us how he sees the world and our lives and how we're to live in his word and so we're to begin to think like God thinks rather than the way the world thinks. Secondly, we need to recognize the need for my heart to change. My heart needs to be softened. My heart needs to be softened. He says that they have this this darkened understanding. They're separated from the life of God in verse 18 because of the ignorance that is in them. And then he said, it's due to their, the hardening of their hearts in the first part of verse 19, having lost all sensitivity. There's a point at which, and Romans 1 makes this point, there's a point at which we get so caught up in lust and greed and pride and we're so self-centered that we get calloused to the things of God. We get calloused and insensitive to the needs of others and we lose and don't have the compassion and mercy and love and grace of Christ. We have hardened hearts. That's who we were before Christ. And now part of what's being changed in us is not just a renewed mind, but there is a softened heart that needs to come about as I walk with Jesus. A softened heart to other people, to their needs, to their human experience, and that they need the love and mercy and grace of God to flow through me. Thirdly, my life needs to be restored. My life needs to be restored. If you look at verse 19, it says, having lost all sensitivity, there's this callousness. He says, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. He said, they've just given themselves over to it. They're just following the impulses that come out of their, their sinful and darkened hearts. They're just following those impulses. So they do whatever they think pleases them. They're doing whatever they think is going to give them the new high, the new and fresh experience. They're looking for that satisfaction. They turn themselves over to live however they want to live. When God created Adam and Eve, he had an intentional way in which we were to live 
and walk with him. And then when sin entered in, that was broken. And when we who know Christ are being changed, putting off the old and putting on the new, it involves the renewing of the mind. It involves the softening of the heart. And it involves the restoring of the life to the way God originally intended it to be. That we would walk with him and that we would reflect, reflect his values and his kingdom, his perspective. 2 Corinthians 5.17 for the New Living Translation says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That affects our minds, our hearts, our lives. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you and you hear the words lust and greed and pride, self-centeredness, and maybe he's already showing you an area in your mind where you've bought into the philosophy and thinking of this world. He's already talking to you about an area of thinking and immoral thoughts or, or judgmental thoughts or whatever. He's already beginning to say to you, here's an area in your mind that needs to be renewed. Or maybe it has to do with your sensitivity. Maybe in his last two years and some of the tension and polarization, you've lost the ability to care about other people because when you tried, they just barked at you. When you, you tried to reach out, they wanted to argue with you and you've, you've lost a sensitivity to other people and to God himself. Perhaps you've given your life over to, to something that's impure, immoral, that's greedy, that's all about you, and, and God wants you to renew your mind, to be softened, to be restored. We have to recognize that each one of us, I need this constant change in my life of putting off the old way of thinking, the old way of being hard-hearted. I need to put off the, the sinful patterns of following every impulse, and I need to put on the mind of Christ. I need to put on the compassion of Christ. I need to put on the holiness of Christ in my life. Recognize the need to change. Secondly, to embrace the constant change of putting off the old and putting on the new and, and experiencing the deep satisfaction God has for us. Secondly, we need to embrace the process of change. The process of change. It's given here in verses 20 through 24. That however, that however is not the way of life you learned. You didn't learn that kind of way with that, that kind of thinking, that kind of desensitized heart, that life given over to the impure sensuality and lusts and greed of your life. You didn't learn that way of life as a follower of Jesus. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. Since you became a follower of Christ, that's not who Christ is. And it's not just we make up who we want Christ to be. We have the scriptures that point to Jesus. We have the gospels that give us the life of Christ. We've got the epistles that talk about how it is that we live out that life of Christ, live out his kingdom in this world today. We have the Old Testament that points to Jesus and gives us principles of what it means to know him. It's the truth of Jesus. Verse 22 you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's interesting. I like this word, deceitful desires. These two words put together here. The word deceitful in front of desires. Desires seems to be enough, right? You know, your, your wrong desires. But he's saying deceitful because there is this thing that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life promises us. The greed of this world, the power and pride of this world, the the sensuality, the, the sexual experience of this world says, you, you gotta get a little more, you gotta go a little further, you gotta get, if you can get more stuff, if you can get more wealth, if you can acquire more things, if you can get more position, more influence, more affluence, if you can get one more sexual experience, you go just a little further, then you're gonna be satisfied. That's deceptive. 
because you'll never be satisfied in pursuing the impulses of sensuality, of a greediness, or of an arrogance. Satisfaction comes as we know Christ and then we walk with him and we become like him. But he, he says, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Here it is again. Where does this all start? It starts with new thinking. Even today as I'm preaching, some of you, the Spirit of God is saying, yes, your heart and mind, your life is not aligned with the truth found here in Ephesians 4. The Spirit of God is trying to take the Word of God into your heart and say to you, you need to change. Here is right thinking. Here is the renewing of the attitude of your mind. Verse 24, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that looks like he's being redundant. You, you put on the likeness of God or of Christ in true righteousness and holiness. The word righteousness that's used here has the idea of a a level of righteousness and rightness and justice between you and me, between our, in our human relationships. The word holiness is the rightness we have before God as we reflect him in how we live. And so we're to put on this likeness where the people around us can see Christ in us and, and God can see the reality of Christ in us in our holiness. And so he's been really clear here in verse 22, put off your old self. Verse 24, put on the new self. Put off the old, here's this process of change. Put off the old, put on the new. It's that simple, that clear. Put off the old and put on the new. And by the way, the transformation we need is from the inside out, it's the spirit of God. As David spoke last week, our partner from Elam, he said that Christ may be formed in you. We just sang as Hannah led us, do whatever you wanna do. Your way is better than my way. And so part of this is yielding ourselves as we open God's word, as we allow other believers to speak into our lives. Part of this is yielding ourselves for the work of God. So as we take each step of obedience, we hear what God's word says. In our minds, we say, yes, that's what I need. I'm now going to choose to obey. As we obey, the spirit of God takes that word of God, takes the, the, the step of obedience, and he molds us and he shapes us. He forms us and makes us more like Jesus. We're to put off the old and put on the new. I would encourage you, maybe there's gonna be something the Holy Spirit's gonna to say to you is specific. Here's an old thing you're still holding on to, an old way of thinking, a desensitized, unfeeling heart toward others. Or perhaps it's you've given yourself over to pride, greed, or lust. And um, I would encourage you just maybe even take a three-by-five card or maybe make a, a reminder on your phone that'll pop up every day at the same time. On one side of that card, just put what the old thinking is or the old behavior that needs to change that God's pointing out to you today. On the other side, put the pattern of Christ, maybe even a verse that helps you understand who you're to be in Jesus. And then keep that in your pocket, your purse, somewhere where you can say, this is the old thing, right, Lord? And that's what I gotta change. Yes, here's the new thing and here's the scripture. You can make a reminder pop up and maybe just have a couple words in the reminder, old and then what it is, new what it is so that you're being intentional about this journey of putting off the old, putting on the new. When I was a teenager, I worked at Camp Good News in North Webster, Indiana, Northern Indiana. And uh, I think it was in my senior year, and the camp there that was affiliated with Child Evangelism Fellowship had made a partnership with an inner city mission 
in Indianapolis. And so they would bring kids out. And some of these kids would come, and not just for one week, they might come all eight to 10 weeks of camp or might come every other week. And you never knew who was coming until the bus showed up on Sunday afternoon and camp was over on Saturday morning. Some of them would go home for an overnight and come back to be at camp. And these kids came from situations where they had nothing. I remember these three brothers, don't remember the older two brothers' names, but I know they were 10 and 12 years old. And their little brother who was eight, his name was Chris. And I had Chris because I had that age group in my cabin, the younger ones. And uh, I remember these kids would come. They'd get off the bus with this huge suitcase. You think, my goodness. And they'd say, oh, it's for all three of us. Oh, okay, suitcase for all three. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, the older brother had that suitcase the first night. He took it the next morning to the middle brother, and he had the suitcase that day. And then they took it to Chris, the younger brother, and they rotated it all week, the same suitcase among them. And when he got to Chris on that second or third day, he opened up the suitcase, and all that was in there was a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And what Chris did is he got the shorts out, put them on, T-shirt on, put his dirty ones in, handed it to the next brother who got the clothes out that he'd been wearing, and they were just rotating their clothes. It was just one extra pair of shorts, one extra shirt with this big suitcase. And these kids were just recycling the old stuff. Let me tell you, by the end of the week, these three boys did not smell very good. <laughs> I think sometimes in our Christian lives, we kind of go back to the old stuff. And what we need to understand that Paul's saying is because who you are in Christ in chapters 1 through 3, your life then needs to reflect that. And we need to put on the new clothes of righteousness, even the righteous clothes that God sees us positionally having on. We need to put those on in our everyday lives, putting off the old, putting on the new, embracing this process of change. Thirdly, we enjoy the results of change. We enjoy the results of change. In verses 25 to 32, Paul gets really practical. He gets right down into our homes, where we work, in our neighborhoods, into the church, and he's dealing with real stuff in our everyday lives. He's saying, you gotta renew your mind, you gotta desensitize or sensitize your heart, let your heart get softened, you gotta change your life and your behavior, you do that by putting off the old of the world and of yourself, putting on the newness of Christ, and then here are the areas where you'll begin to see the results as God's Spirit changes you and make you more, makes you more like Jesus. And what are they? Well, there are five here. It's interesting, all five of these are introduced in the same way. Each one has a negative command. Each one has a positive command. Then each one has a reason why you should obey these commands. The first one has to do with character, unquestionable integrity. Some people say character is who you are when no one's looking, who you are when you're alone, who you are in the dark. Your reputation is what people think about you, but it could be wrong. Character is who you really are. Look at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. Put off inaccuracy, falsehood, lying, lack of integrity, put on truth. Why? Because we're all members of one body. Here's the point. We all need integrity. We all need character. We all need this, this level of authenticity and honesty and purity and clarity in our lives. We need character. And when Sean is putting off the old and putting on the new and my character is becoming more like Christ, then you see that in me. He says here, remember I said the reason. The reason is we're all one body. The point here is as my character reflects Jesus more with unquestionable 
integrity, and your character reflects Jesus more with unquestionable character. We collectively as a body have that kind of integrity among ourselves, and then together we have this bright light of Christ-like character, not just a reputation, but character in this community. In the ministries we do together on this campus and into uh, our area, but also when we're spread out in our own cul-de-sacs, in our own workplaces, with our friends, wherever we go. Character comes as we put off the old and we put on the new. Billy Graham said, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. We need to be people of character here as the followers of Christ. As Calvary Community Church, we need to be people who are putting off the old character and putting on the new character of Christ with integrity. The great UCLA coach John Wooden said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Don't work to build your reputation. Work to build your character and your reputation will be just fine. Let your character be that of Christ. Secondly, not only will the result affect our character, it will affect our attitude, our attitude. And he picks on the one thing that I think we know we struggle with the most and that can really, in our attitude and our disposition, can really distract from Jesus. He's dealing with anger here. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. It's possible to have a righteous indignation like Jesus when he overturned the money tables. He was doing that because there was something immorally going on and he dealt with it. But a lot of times we have anger that's just about me and what I want and what I need, and it's about me and myself. And he's saying here in the negative, can, in the negative uh, uh, command, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, deal with your frustrations. Deal with the bitterness. Deal with the anger before you get up the next day. Why? Because if the bad attitude spills into the next day, you're going to have a bad attitude guess what, that's gonna spill into the next day. And we shouldn't be the cranky people in our community. We shouldn't be the people with a chip on our shoulder. We shouldn't be the people online who are constantly angry and irritable. We shouldn't have the bad attitude. I'm not just talking about a positivity, although I think there's something to that. I'm talking about the attitude of Christ. It's an attitude that comes as we put off the old spirit, the old attitudes, the old demeanor we had, and we put on the things of the spirit of God, of Christ, and the attitude of Christ. It's radical self-control, not just exploding on people in our comments and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, not just being right all the time and proving people wrong. This is a part of where our hearts that have been hardened need to be sensitive to love people God loves, to be compassionate toward people God is compassionate toward. The third area is priorities, our priorities. Here's this uncommon selflessness. Now, mostly when you read the Old Testament, New Testament, like the book of Proverbs and James address that if someone is lazy, they should not eat. Someone is lazy, they should not eat. Now, if someone's willing to work, but they can't get work, then you step up and you help them. But most times, even some of the times when the Proverbs say, don't steal, Work hard to provide for your family. Don't steal things. Paul puts a twist on it here under the direction of the Spirit of God, and he talks about this uncommon selflessness in, in terms of our priorities. 
He says in verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Okay, that's familiar, like I said. That makes sense. You work, and and Paul, do you work to provide for yourself and your family? Notice he goes to a whole other level here, doing something useful with their own hands, a good work ethic, that they may have something to share with those in need. He doesn't say so you can provide for your family. He he assumes that's going to happen, and he says you work hard so you, you can also provide for people who are in need. I think that's physical needs and financial needs and Thank God that through your giving, we're able to help people in our church and and this community when they have a crisis and they're in financial trouble. We're able to share with them through our benevolence ministry and our care ministry the love of Jesus because of your generosity as part of our our giveaway here through our offerings. Praise God for that. But we get to do that individually as, as you give. Collectively, we do that, but also individually looking for people we know who are in need and saying, I've worked hard, not just so I can have more, but I've worked hard My priorities are so turned upside down. I work hard so I can help people who are in need. Those are some radical priorities, but those come from putting off the old, putting on the new. Fourthly, it's the area of speech. This is constant encouragement. Constant encouragement. Maybe you're someone who's always negative, always critical. Maybe you're someone who uses four-letter words or likes to tell a filthy joke. Maybe you're someone who's into gossip, backbiting, None of that is to be a part of the follower of Christ's life. That's the old ways of this world and old self. That's not the way of Christ. We need to put all that off in terms of our words and put on that which is encouraging and builds up others. Verse 29, and do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Gossip, foul language, lies, criticism, cutting others down. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. There's the negative commands. But only what is helpful, here's the positive, for building others up according to their needs. Build people up. Understand, according to their needs, there's that sensitive heart. What is their need? They're not just someone I disagree with, but what is their need? I need to say words. My comment on their post, my interaction with them, needs to think about their needs. I need to be compassionate and caring in the words I choose, not just from my lips, but from my fingers. What I do online says building others up, that's encouraging others according to their needs. And here's the reason, that it may benefit those who listen. Your communication as a follower of Christ is not about you, it's about those who hear you. So if you're known for four-letter words at work or you're known for telling the dirty jokes or you're known for your gossip or you're known for your hurtful words. Put that off. And put on the words of Christ. Encourage to benefit the one who hears your words. Can I just speak to parents for a moment? And I want to even get more specific and talk to fathers. How you talk to your children is really important. You say, well, I don't use four-letter words. But you tell them they're ignorant, they're stupid, they don't get it. You, you belittle them. You crush a child. You crush a teenager. We need to work on words right in our marriages, right in our homes. We need to put off the stuff that is not building up our kids or our spouses. We need to put off the stuff that's not building up our coworkers, our employees. And we need to put on the words that build and encourage because our words are not for us. They're for the other person, and they're to be to the glory of God. 
Put off the words that don't represent Christ and put on those things that do represent Christ. Fifth and finally, our relationships. Our character is impacted, our attitude, our priorities, our speech, our relationships. And in relationships, there's to be this divine kindness. I think in the last couple of years, in our world, these things have become accepted that are listed in verse 31. Not just in our world, but sometimes among fellow believers and how we talk to people in the world that we disagree with. Look at this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling. That means quarrelsome spirit. It is not Christ-like to have a quarrelsome spirit, period. doesn't mean you agree with everyone. doesn't mean you state your position. But if you're just trying to find a fight online, you're just trying to prove your point and prove other people wrong, you have a quarrelsome spirit. Put that off. And slander, talking bad about people, along with every form of malice. That's a, a hatred towards someone that is so intense it takes action. There's a negative command. Get rid of all that. What's the positive command? Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other. Are you kind and compassionate to other people? Are you kind and compassionate online? Are you kind and compassionate at work? Are you kind and compassionate with people you disagree with? It doesn't say unless you disagree with them. It says be kind and compassionate. And what's the reason? Just as in Christ God forgave you, what's the basis I'm kind and compassionate and forgiving to someone else? Because the God of the universe has been kind and compassionate to me and I didn't deserve it. We put off malice. We put off bitterness. We put off a quarrelsome spirit. We put off all these things in our relationships so we can take on the divine kindness of Christ. And boy, does our world need that now more than ever from the followers of Jesus. Recognize your need to change, to be renewed in the mind, softened in the heart, restored in your life. Put off the old and put on the new as you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. And you'll see changes in your character, your attitude, your priorities, your speech, your relationships. Your family will be healthier. Your relationships will be healthier. And you will be a brighter light for Jesus in this world. Sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, but it's this constant process of change. Putting off the old, putting on the new. When the Spirit of God shows you the old you need to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of it. And he'll show you those positive and Christ-like qualities you need to put into your life. This is where the rubber meets the road. And I like how in this passage, he throws in two lines I want to point out as some clear challenges for us. Here's the first challenge. Don't give the devil any reason to celebrate over your life. Verse 27, after talking about anger, he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. When you are not putting off the old and putting on the new, Satan celebrates because he knows you're not going to represent Jesus well. Don't give him that chance. But the second statement that's right in here that's kind of along those same lines is don't give the Holy Spirit any reason to mourn over your life, to grieve. That you have, that he grieves when we don't put off the old and put on the new and we're not becoming like Jesus. He says that so clearly in verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, like we read in chapter one. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Don't cause him to mourn over anything in your life. How do we have deep satisfaction? How do we cause Satan to mourn and the spirit to celebrate? You put off the old person, you put on the newness of Christ. In areas of character, attitude, priorities, speech, and relationships. 
Maybe the Spirit of God has spoken to you in a specific area. Get that three-by-five card. Put the negative thing you're trying to put off on the one side. Put the thing of Christ you're trying to put on on the other side. Get a verse. Maybe you do it with a reminder or some other app you have that will pop up on your phone to remind you daily to put off that thing the Spirit of God has shown you and put on the thing he's told you you need in Christ. That will make your life brighter for Jesus. That will make us as a congregation brighter collectively for Jesus in this world. Let me ask you, are you constantly putting off the old and putting on the new? Are you constantly putting off the old and putting on the new? My freshman year of high school, each quarter of that year we had a different sport. Like we did gymnastics, which you can imagine I wasn't that great at that at all. Then we did, I think it was handball. And then we did, I think we had, uh, uh, even we had uh, uh, line dancing, not line dancing, but uh, Square dancing. Anybody else do square dancing in high school? I don't know why we were doing square dancing in high school. But the last quarter we did wrestling, and the wrestling coach, Mr. Wilk, um, taught us wrestling. And they paired you up with somebody in the alphabet near you in the class list. And so I was uh, put up against a guy named Rusty. I won't give his last name. But Rusty's whole goal was to drop out as soon as he turned 16. So he was trying to do everything he could to be disruptive. So he decided in this freshman year of high school he would never take his gym clothes home and have them washed. So we get to the fourth quarter of the school year, and Mr. Wilk says, all right, Rusty, you know, he's pointing to which one of us in our pairs. He says, you get down on all four. Sean, you get over him. We get in that position you start wrestling in. And then Mr. Wilk teaches us for like 15 minutes while I'm down in this position. And the stench that came from Rusty. I mean, his locker smelled bad enough all year long. It was like that Linus cloud around his locker. But I'm forced to be down against him with my arm around him and on his, on his arm in a wrestling position ready to start. And then once Mr. Wilk taught us how to do that and everything, and we started actually wrestling, I would just roll over and yell, pinned! <laughs> so maybe Rusty would get off of me and leave me alone. He never changed his clothes. Boy, don't be one of those kind of Christians that loses out on the deep satisfaction God wants for you and the opportunity for your life to shine brighter for Jesus in a world that needs us to shine brighter for Jesus by leaving on the old, dirty clothes of the worldly way or of your past. Put off the old, put on the new. You'll find deep satisfaction in that from the Lord and your life will shine brighter for Jesus. We need this to be less of us and a little more like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the challenge from your word. It's easy to get to a point in our spiritual walk where we think we're okay. We got it down in terms of our character, our attitude, our priorities, our language we use, our speech, our relationships. And we stop hearing your spirit. May we be open to hearing your spirit show us the areas that need to be put off. And may you in your word and through your spirit show us that area of Christ's character that we need to put on. I pray for people who maybe are either recycling the old stuff or they're just wearing the old stuff, that they'd start this week seeking to be changed by you from the inside out, even as they take steps to put off the old and put on the new. And Father, I pray for me that I would stay constantly in this pattern of change that my family, this church, my friends, this community could see Jesus more in me as I become more like Jesus so that your kingdom and your values would be lived out in us. Our world needs that more now than ever. 
Help us to be a part of the constant change you want for us. In the end, not so that we look good, but that you get the glory and others are drawn to Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen.